Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Pudvay. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg Wilson. Good afternoon. It is great to be back recording another episode. Uh, for, for our listeners who are asking and sending emails, uh, our day jobs kind of took over a little bit and there was some family stuff that we all needed to take care of. So we missed a couple of days. But here we are now, recording after a Game 5 victory by the Montreal Canadiens on the road, giving them a 3-2 series lead as they head home to close out the series, hopefully. Uh, today's episode is clearly going to be talking about uh, Game 5, uh, a little bit of a look ahead to Game 6. Uh, we will touch on officiating yet again. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some, some of the players and their individual, uh, individual play. And we're going to kick it off with a little bit of a, an around the league and Montreal Canadiens discussion. So to start it off, uh, Treg, why don't you start us with uh, that one piece of news that you'd mentioned before we oh, came on air. <clears throat> Former Canadians uh, defenseman Tom Curvers passed away. Uh, he's battling cancer, I believe. Uh, anyway, he's also assistant GM for... Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to mention he won the Stanley Cup there in 86 as a, as a rookie with uh, a bunch of other rookies, as a matter of fact, Walsh and Shane Corson and a couple others. So I just wanted to pass on the, his passing and uh, regards to his family and stuff like that. Yeah, by all accounts, uh, John was a <clears> – <throat> my apologies. Tom was a, um, was a really great guy. So uh, – I our condolences go out to his family and his friends first and foremost. It's sad to see someone pass away in the NHL community, but it's always the biggest impact to the families and friends. So our deepest sympathies and condolences to them. Uh, Moving on from that uh, today, as we record, it is the 23rd of June and the Montreal Canadians announced a three-year contract extension to John Sedgwick. He is uh, their capologist. So this could be the first of many dominoes to fall in management. He had a very difficult job this year, managing the cap with the taxi squad and trying to juggle the budget, so to speak, when it came to all the different call-ups that they were trying to make. So I think he earned this contract and it looks like it's going to be the first of several contract extensions in management for the Montreal Canadiens. I know one person that's going to get one. Dom Ducharme? Probably, yes. And Mark Bergevin. Bergevin is going to get a contract. 
My goodness. You'd think he would have been a finalist for GM of the year before he'd get that. He was. He was. And he had the most first place votes, but finished second. How is that possible? How could a man who traded away P.K. Subban get that nomination? Uh, he traded P.K. Subban. <laughs> <laughs> and in comes Matt for the win. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm going to call a few people out without using their names or their Twitter handles and just say, I see you're saying that you're going to stand by your GM and be all behind your GM when three weeks ago you wanted him fired. But anyway, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely quite a few people calling for his head three yeah. weeks mm-hmm. ago who now truly adore him and just love him. And then he had that little video where he's in the room and he's chatting everyone. And oh, some yeah. people took that and were like, Oh, we're standing by you. We'll, we'll go through that wall. And yeah, well, a month yes. ago you wanted you wanted yeah. the man fired, so whatever. We'll go to war for you. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. None of us here would go to war for that man. Let's <laughs> just not putting that work. out there. It's not a metaphor when you say that to us. It yeah. literally means go to war. So yeah. no, thank you. But I, I'm just saying, like it just that it kind of burned me. Uh, I took a break from Twitter there, but I was still kind of reading through. I just wasn't. And uh, stuff like that. It's like a month ago, you wanted this man fired. A month ago, this man wasn't good enough. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, he's your hero. Give me a break. Shut I mean, up. Here on the show, uh, for uh, I believe it was uh, about six or seven episodes back, during the Leafs um, series, we talked about Bergevin and what we think is going to happen based on outcomes. And we, we all figured he'd stay for at mm-hmm. least a year. Mm-hmm. And that there was an outside chance that he could have been let go, but for who there's nobody, there was no one available. We, we mock certain show business people who go on TSN radio. We all know who they are. I don't know why they go on TSN radio. (laughs) (laughs) Celine Dion's not doing anything, but wearing a Vegas helmet. That was Photoshopped. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares if it was Photoshopped? It was it's funny, especially when I saw it and I thought, hmm, we lost Celine Dion. Damn. Well, my heart will go on. I hope they take Justin Bieber too. They already did. We, uh, oh, by winning the gold medal in 2010, we got the choice to deport him to the United States and they are stuck with him. I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter. Like I was wrong. I'm going to, I'll admit, I'll eat crow on Dom Ducharme. And you all guys all know here, I said it on the show. Not Many a fan times. of Dom Ducharme. Blah, yeah, blah, you blah, really blah, hate blah. the guy. I don't know. What did he do? Did he kick your dog? <laughs> I didn't hate him, but I'm just saying he's not working out. He's not the Dom I thought he'd be. And now in the, in the playoffs, he is the Dom I thought he'd be. He is the Ducharme that I remember watching in Halifax. So I only crow on that. I'm not going to sit here and all of a sudden blow smoke up his asshole, but I'm going to say, hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was wrong back then. I only crow. Dom, you proved me wrong. But if people would have said that about Bergevin, fine and dandy. But don't sit there and say, oh, you're my hero and everything when a month ago you want the guy to get an Uber out of Montreal. So anyway. At, at least they offered him an Uber. They didn't just leave him on the side of the road waiting for a cab. <laughs> like Galan. <Ghislaine. laughs> anyway, that's uh, my rant. I'm done. Yeah. That's my rant. Okay. So moving on from those dominoes to another little piece of news. As many of our listeners know, uh, Treg and myself, we work at uh, the Hockey Writers, and uh, I know, I, I don't know, were you involved in the, in the prospects No, nope, well, I had nothing to do with the prospects okay, well, year, no. I did last I, year, I, but I didn't do, I yeah. didn't do this year. Okay, well, I was involved in draft rankings, and I've written a few profiles. You check them out online, I just released one uh, this morning. Um. The Hockey Writers released, uh, released its final draft rankings, uh, so check those out. Go to thehockeywriters.com and uh, yeah, read through them and tell us how far out to f- left field we are and make fun of us and just be sure to keep clicking on them. That's, you know, that's all I ask. Although I will in the future be involved in the GM for Montreal for the expansion draft. So, I already did that one. Yeah, they're, they're doing another one. They're doing an interview with me about some guys calling. Oh, know. okay. 
Okay. It's not in any saying what, who I think will be available and all that kind of stuff. So you're just going to get on there and just yell, fire everybody. Yes. <laughs> Carey Price this- is going to waive his no move clause to go to Seattle. Because <laughs> he's a bum. He's a, he's past his prime. His, he's Terrible. way too expensive. We got to get rid of him. Oh my God. He's the greatest ever. <laughs> Yet another flip-flop. I mean, uh, sure. Uh, it all is right. summertime. It is summertime. So, okay, we're going we're gonna to just leave all the little news and notes. Remember, hockey writers, the draft rankings are out. And I also work at recruits.ca. And Grant McCagg has a draft uh, guide that's going to be coming out very soon. It is definitely worth the money to buy the draft guide. I buy it every single year. And his, his draft projections are usually in the ballpark. They're within about four or five of almost every pick in the top 120. So if you want to get a, a good feel of what the, this year's really, this year's draft is a kind of an unknown because, you know, lack of games and it hasn't really been covered as, as in depth as in previous years. So check out Grant's uh, draft profiles. It's going to be worth it. By the way, I do not get a cut of the proceeds from that. That's just me being, being nice. That's weird. I know. Right. Um, Okay. So to the series, Canadians, Vegas, let's roll the dice on this and see what happens. We'll, we'll start it off with the officiating. Clearly games three and four were, absolute trash officiating and before any of our leaf and vegas followers start uh calling us out online saying that we're just homers games three and four was a win and a loss so in both games regardless of winning or losing which the canadians did one of each those refs were trash and we went through this in the last episode in depth what i want to point out is game five's officiating the crew that did game five did chef's kiss an impeccable job. They set the tone early. They were very vocal with the, with both benches and with the players on the ice, a scrum would start. They would threaten to take one person out. They said, you guys let stop right now, or I'm taking you. And they would just point at a random player. Didn't matter which team. And they'd stop. And it, and you, you notice there was a lot less of the, um, a lot less of the scrums and all that going on. Um, so that, that was good. And then they made the, they made the call um, against Byron for the cross check. They set that tone. They set a line. They said, you can go this far, but no further. So I think they did a good job. It was a. It's definitely a difference between game four and five, or uh, three and four. That's for sure. With uh, with Lee and O'Rourke, um, you know, when you have major sports channels like TSN, Sportsnet, etc., and everyone that's associated with them calling out officiating at all levels, and the fact that you know Gary Bettman was in attendance and um, George Peros was in attendance for one of the other games, it got to the point where you know both sides were calling it out. You know, the Vegas fans are calling it out. The Canadians are calling it out. And as you said, it was a win and a loss. It's just, you like to see playoff hockey. You like to see physical hockey and yeah, it makes the game excited. However, there's, there's a point and there's, and there's a point where guys are going to start getting injured and just blatant calls that should be called weren't getting called. And, um, you know, Perry getting the stick to the face or some of these, you know, Suzuki getting punched in the face or uh, even Edmonton, even Edmonton, he cross-checked, uh, he cross-checked, I think Carrier from behind face first on the boards, this should have been a penalty, you know, so they were on both sides. Obviously we noticed the Canadians ones a hell of a lot more, but uh, let's just say very happy that uh, the officiating changed and it's looking like right now for game six, that uh, it will be the same. Uh, it would be the same officials for Game Six, as well, reported by Pierre LeBrun. That's what it's looking like. That would be that would be a a good thing for this series. I think, yes. as you mentioned, 
there were a ton of calls that were let go on both sides. They were basically letting them play, but to a point. Like they, yeah. that they they uh, the high stick on Kotkaniemi, for instance, when he was bleeding, they went to video review to make sure that it was a high stick and it wasn't a follow through. Yeah, it's in the rule book. They used it. They they made the right call. Yeah, that's why I was kind of hoping it was a two minute, and then it wouldn't have been reviewable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, swallow the blood, swallow the blood. <laughs> but Kotkaniemi's not thinking about that. He's like, I'm bleeding. I took a stick in the face. That's right. He's not, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. But, and I know a lot of people complain that what the hell they're doing a review and they're taking this away. It's obviously fixed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they you made know, the right call. They made the right call. Yeah. And this, this officiating crew didn't affect the game. They didn't change momentum. They nope. didn't slow it down. They just kept it at a pace that was manageable. And yes, they managed the game with their calls, but they let them play. And True. game six, if, it, if that's the same crew, then I think we'll do well, really well with having them there. Absolutely. So for those who aren't on YouTube, <laughs> Treg's granddaughter's in the background playing with all his toys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Bye. <laughs> well, we finally got some cuteness on the show because it sure as heck wasn't going to get it from us. The, the ratings are going to go through the roof. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think we've. She was actually wearing a Toronto Maple Police Marner t shirt, just so you guys know. Oh, is that why she is, she's going to bed early, is she? Well, that's why I'm getting rid of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's, she only stays for one round. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, grandpa's done his one round of drinks. You got to go. <laughs> anyway, sorry for that interruption. But... No, no, it's fine. So I think we're done talking about the officiating. We're going to move on um, to something that uh, that's kind of been going on for a while now, where the uh, a lot of people in mainstream media on Twitter have been going on about the North division and just how weak it is. I mean, the North division champion is now up three, two against the juggernaut Vegas golden Knights. So whether they win the series or not winning three games in a series against the juggernaut Vegas golden Knights should prove the North division. Wasn't a weak sister. Just want to point out though, that, uh, Vegas hasn't had Chandler Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, this year had a career high in points of just over 30. Well, he's playing with Stone Pacioretty. I would have a career high in points of 12 if I played with Stone Pacioretty. Sure. Unless and it's Mon in the and Montreal wouldn't have made it by Winnipeg if they would have had Shifley. Yeah, it, never mind the fact Clearly. that they have Dubois, who was touted as a number one center for for several years before that. But, you know, Shifley. Yeah. Well, that, the juggernaut Golden clearly, Knights yeah. did finish second in the league, tied with Colorado with 82 points. Unbelievable. On a plus 67 differential. Juggernauts. They were 7-3 going into the playoffs. In, in a, a very difficult uh, division because, you know, every team in their division were just so good. I mean, right now the narrative coming out of certain people at ESPN is the North Division's weak. And Montreal just took advantage of their weak sisters in Calgary and Vancouver because, you know, they're horrible hockey teams. Um, and Ottawa. Ottawa's a terrible hockey team who had no hope in hell of putting up a decent fight in any game because that's exactly what we saw watching them. Then you have Vegas, who won their division, uh, the Pacific. And they had, the, they had the strongest division of the entire league. It's them in Colorado, right? Then you look at who didn't make the playoffs. Three of the four are, are in the bottom of the league. They, Vegas beat the shit out of the three three of the seven worst teams in the NHL with a 21 and three record against those three teams 
Anaheim, the Los Angeles Kings, the San Jose Sharks, 21 and three against those three teams. And you're telling me that because of that, they're the better team, clear better team, juggernauts. You beat up yeah. on weak sisters. But it's the Canadians who are the crap hockey team who are just lucky to be here. They also had to play. They also played Arizona. It wasn't a girl that great of a team either. No, they're yeah, but they're not in the bottom seven. They were no, the they're not. 10. But I, I'm I'm just saying they only had four more points or five more points than L.A. So it's not they, like they, they were, were. Arizona was slightly above Ottawa. Yeah. You know the team in the basement of the uh, Canadian division. Doesn't really matter for Arizona anyway because they're not getting a first round pick anyway. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been yeah. the worst. Could have been. Wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> but this this is my point. Like you're telling me that the North is so weak, the Canadians are just lucky to be there because they beat up on these weaker teams. Meanwhile, the the the, the Pacific Division had much weaker teams that didn't make the playoffs, and Vegas just feasted on them. And yet somehow this point system, you know, oh you're you're comparing their their points despite the fact that no division played against each other. And you're saying, well, just based on that, it is a weak team. That is the laziest narrative I have seen yet. What about oh, the is. what about the thing to do with travel? Oh yeah, get into that one. <laughs> that one was such bullshit. Yeah. That Montreal was used to traveling those distances, so they're much better rested to go to to play on the road or something like that. Yeah, they're, just... yeah, they're they've got more practice with travel. You know, yeah. <laughs> funny last year and the year before and every other year before this, excessive travel was seen as a downfall. Yeah, unless but you're Montreal. Year, yeah, you're Montreal. but this year suddenly. Well, let's put it to you. I'm just going to tell you this one, boys. Montreal wins the Stanley Cup. Anyone who didn't win the Stanley Cup is just going to say it only because of COVID. The Leafs yeah. fans are still right now, as we speak on Twitter, saying if this was a regular NHL season, the Montreal never would have made this made the playoffs. But how do we know that? Because Montreal still would have played the Buffaloes and the Detroits and the and the, and the Ducks and the, all these teams that finished in the bottom. They would have played all those teams as well. And you don't right? know what kind of record they would have had against the better teams either. You have no idea. Montreal was always a team that played better against the better teams and usually shit the bed against the weaker teams. Well, we've but, been told this entire playoffs that they were supposed to lose in four to each team they've played so far. I mean, so let's, let's, I, I, I don't want to play that. I don't like playing that game because you don't know, you don't, maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have made the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know how they would have done against everybody in the league. Maybe they would have finished first. I don't know. Could have lost really all don't. four all four games to Detroit and then swept the rest of the division. You don't you just don't know. I mean, I mean, look at Toronto. Last year, Toronto was three points away from not making the playoffs. So did they make it because of COVID? Yes. Actually, no, they didn't make the playoffs. Sorry, scratch that. Um that's they true. They lost to Columbus, so they it, never made it, the playoffs. Sorry, Toronto. But, but the uh, play in round still counted for playoff points. Only though, for so. stats, but only for not stats. for reality. Yeah. And if when you if you go to the official NHL, the when they the playoffs didn't officially start until you got to your round of sixteen. But though, remember those stats make Matthews a point per game player. In that one game that he scored all his points, yeah, exactly, <laughs> point per game player. But it wasn't the playoffs. Technically, the stats may count as playoff stats, but they're technically not a playoff game because you didn't make the round of sixteen. So if so, you look up. Still the greatest player of our generation. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Can't be. Because they because when they lost JT, that was the reason they lost the series. Uh, well, right. It, that's right. And and he's a proven winner. Just look what he did in New York before he went to Toronto. All those cups. <laughs> All Back those series wins in New York. Played in the eighties. Oh JT, the Chandler Stevenson of centers. Ooh. I'm not I listen, I'm not gonna go that far. I'm not gonna take away from JT. <laughs> He's good. I mean, he's, he's a good he is center. a good player. He is a good player. Would he have made the difference in the trial? I don't think so. I, I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm hating all these narratives that people are coming out with about, you know, 
Toronto lost their top center and then Winnipeg lost their top center, even though he did it to himself. And then Chandler Stevenson gets injured during a game in the first game. And then people are just freaking out about it saying that Montreal's having this easy ride through the playoffs. They're just lucky. Well, Stevenson was there in game five. And what happened in game five? Montreal dominated them. That's right. So a narrative busted. They're just lucky. They're just lucky. lucky. My favorite gave him the series. Yeah. That was my favorite. Peros did his old team a solid and got rid of. He was at the game the other night. So he probably had like a little, little uh, microphone and he was like, don't don't call that against the Canadians. But right. the biggest, yeah. the biggest Bruins homer in the world was just shit chucking at us, and you know Peros, Peros handed the series to Montreal. Peros is helping his old team, and then I just respond with, "Hey, you remember when Colin Campbell was sending emails to all the officials during the 2011 playoff run? Did he help his son's team, or did they win that on their own? Do you have a comment on that? No, you went away. Where'd you go? Hey, hello." This thing on why can't people just accept the fact that what oh what me and matt bedard and you guys all said is that team is built for the playoffs they're built to go for a long playoff run we've all said this before the season started well before the season started i flat out said that this team would be third they were two points out and that they would win one or two series which they've done and I said they were built for the playoffs. They, I said they finished third, and I said they're going to do damage in the playoffs. I didn't, I didn't give a round where they go, but I, I, I figured they go past the first round. I, I wasn't so. surprised they ended up in the third round. Like from the from my prediction from the beginning of the season, hmm. I am surprised how they're doing it though. I didn't expect them to play the way they are. And props to Luke Richardson. I'm changing the subject a bit here for... Well, actually, that was the next topic we were going to move into. So <laughs> it's a good segue. <laughs> good segue to coaching. Uh, Luke Richardson is doing an amazing job with that team. Like, he's pretty much... They haven't missed a step for when Dom Ducharme... Mind you, Dom Ducharme's in constant uh, contact with him. Yeah. But... Uh, that first game, that first game, I was a little bit like, uh, what the hell's going on here? You know, yeah. they, they yeah. haven't shot the puck in two periods now <laughs> but the game where uh, they had eight shots on net uh, going into the periods? going into the third yeah yeah that they ended up winning <laughs> yeah well it's kind of funny because they shouldn't have won that game and they should have won game four and that's then right. they lost game four but that's right things evened out yeah but you know what props to the props to the assistant coaches and it, it just shows mm-hmm. how important that those individuals are it's not just the it's not just the head coach that we see in front of the cameras. Like, there's a, a lot of work goes on with these assistants. They know the systems as well. They're in there with the players. And uh, good on him for not throwing the lines in a blender and keeping these chemistry together. And, and I, I, yeah, I think he's done a really good job since he's, uh, he's kind of taken the reins. It's no easy feat either you, you know, when you think about it. He's the temporary interim interim head coach, and he's got yeah. – He's got Burroughs on the bench, who's yep. in his second full year as a professional coach. Yeah. Uh, just just retired, became a coach. Now he's he, like, this is his second year coaching. Yeah. And the other coach on the bench is Sean Burke, who has no experience on the bench. So this isn't uh, this isn't an easy thing to do either. Yeah. No, but they're uh, Luke Richardson could have uh, could be coaching himself into a. Uh... A head coaching job somewhere. I mean, he has experience. He, he coached for years in the AHL. Yep. He, uh, so it's not like it's his first rodeo either. At this level, it is. But but that uh, that just shows the um, the commitment level that this, t- uh, this team has, coaching staff, players, the whole thing. They're all working together on one thing. I mean, Dom Ducharme is clearly talking to these guys before, probably during intermissions. Um and they're making adjustments, but some, the in-game adjustments, Luke Richardson's still picking up on them, and he's still still keeping them in. He's still making those little changes, the matchups, the you know he's he's keeping up to speed. And again, not an easy thing. And yes, he's probably gonna he's probably turning some heads for a head coaching job somewhere. And the matchups were great last night against Vegas. Like even though he had this second change. He, he matched up very well against fate. I, I love the fact that they're doing the two centers for uh, defensive uh, 
uh, neutral zone or defensive because uh, Montreal for some reason always gets kicked kicked out of the uh, faceoff. I don't it's know pretty it bad. Is, I I stopped always... counting it seventeen times. Oh, it, yeah. it's just terrible. But I'm they, not saying that's they, on the linesman, but I'm just saying. But they know just... that that's their area of weakness, and even yeah. though even though there's been a few games where they've won more faceoffs than the Knights. Look at the goals that have been scored in this series. The majority of them have been right off the faceoff. Even when the Canadians have a uh, positive faceoff winning percentage, yeah, just they, takes, they can go seventy percent. Yeah, and, and just takes still one there. or two. Yeah, yeah, and, and Vegas is just finding that one or two faceoffs in a game and just burying them. Now Montreal's right. better at that than they were in the first two games. Of the, yes, uh, they've improved yeah. as the series went on for that. And la- even last night's goal that Pacioretty got, it was a hell of a shot, but he whiffed on his initial and it kind of put everyone off stride. And then all but of a sudden, it's Byron lost that. his man too. Byron went to tried to cover someone that was already covered and then realized too late that he, that he wasn't on the right man. So thankfully, it's just a, and errors. Thankfully it was in the garbage time after they were yeah. down three, nothing he scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, Pacioretty's goal makes it the first goal by a top six forward for the Vegas Golden Knights in this series. Yeah, and we're going into five games. It's pretty, pretty insane. Pure luck, though. It's pure luck the Canadians are there. They're just not producing. It has nothing to do with the defensive work the Canadians are doing. Nothing at all. The other teams are just not performing. And you know what props? I brought up the defense multiple times on multiple shows. Props to them. The, The top four right now, the Canadians, they are... They are built for the playoffs. And like, we've got two of those guys that we know are playing injured. One that looks like he's possessed. And um, yeah, ser- like, ser- seriously, um, it's, it's going to be when we start talking about the, the expansion draft in the next couple weeks and we start getting into that and our predictions for that. And then when it actually happens, but a month or so, but just under a month from now, keeping that core four together is going to be really important. And um, you got to think that uh, Seattle is looking to pluck one of those up. And by pluck, you mean Sherratt because he's in the last year of his contract next year, making him a tradable asset. So if they go on a good run, keep them. If they don't, they can trade them for good assets. That's right. So that that's one I would see them targeting. I know Jake Allen's a, a big thing that they're looking, people are worried about, but, for me, it's Sherrod. Yeah, who's who's I, leading? Who's leading the team in time on ice this playoff? Yes. Anyway, I'm not. I was going to say something about it. We'll get into that on another show. Yeah, we'll make a whole episode on just the expansion draft yeah. after the Canadians' playoff run is done. <clears throat> but uh, we're going to move on to another player. I'd like to bring up Nick, first line center Suzuki. What a hell of a game that kid played. Best game of the best game of the playoffs. Um, I gained I gained a new level of uh, respect for him of the game that he had, especially when he stripped Mark Stone. Mark Stone is probably oh, yeah. one of the one of the best defensive forwards in the league, who always leads the league or very close in takeaways. And for him to strip him at center ice on the power play, get a nice pass up to Perry who then um, set up Caulfield. Just incredible. Incredible. Yep. Well, Suzuki played first-line minutes all year, and everyone was going on, oh, we don't have a first-line center. We don't We have a bunch. Of, I think Suzuki's your bona fide first-line center, and the chemistry that he has with Caulfield is just unreal. Yep. Yep. Unreal. Throw Toffoli in there, um, and you just have the makings of a great line. Um, I, I think, think that's going to be our new Gallagher Dano Tatar line. I think that's going to be the one that's going to stay together. Well, Tatar is going to yeah. be gone. Tatar. Well, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean. That's going to be the new. That's going to be the new. Yeah. The new line that no one's going to touch. And at just both ends of the ice, Suzuki's just been. Amazing. If he can get his face-offs better, um, then he's going to be complete. Really, okay. it's just that's all he has to work on now is his face-off. And he didn't do too bad last night. He didn't do too bad. Uh, Cotton Yemi, I think, led the team in face-offs at fifty-eight percent, but. Um, and there's another guy who can really bring it up when it counts. He has as many goals in the playoffs as he did all season. Um, like he's just, uh, I guess he's one of those guys that uh, get you through the playoffs. 
Um, so to me, it's just, uh, we just have the, the future is now. I mean, you look at the top scores, you got Toffoli, Suzuki, then you have Perry and Stahl stuck in amongst Armia, Caulfield, and Kotniemi. And there's your top, there's your top seven scores. So, and Suzuki and Toffoli are almost a point a game, 14 and 13 and 16 games. So, we have a, we have a, just a well-balanced team. And when you have your young guys like Suzuki and Kotniemi stepping up, uh, Cole Caulfield doing what we all hoped he would do. Uh, and then you have the old guys, Perry and Stahl, doing their thing. I mean, that graybeard line, Perry, Stahl, and Armia are just just the way they cycle in the zone. Yeah, I mean, back, to, back to Suzuki, though. Like, just to... Just to throw that in there, his face-offs have improved game over game. He's um, he he like you mentioned, he's playing those top line minutes, so he is definitely the number one center. And everyone's talking about oh, the Canadians' future, the Canadians' future. Well, it's now. The Canadians' future is right in front of you right now, happening as we speak. Suzuki has arrived as a one C. That that cannot be argued. How good of a 1C is he going to be? I mean, you got guys like uh, Dave Poulin going on TSN radio saying that he is the next uh, Bergeron, which to me, that's that's extremely high praise. If he ends up that good, then oh, sky's the limit for the Canadians. Cole Caulfield, you, you mentioned him. This kid is not even a rookie in the NHL yet. His rookie season doesn't happen until next season. And here he is chirping... NHL goaltenders. So Leonard said, oh, the book's out on him. He'll either go five hole or top shelf to which Caulfield responds. Oh, they got a book on me. Great. Well, I'm going to give him something different to look at. And you watch his goal, the the power play goal, the third one for the Canadians in game five. Where did that go? Not top shelf, not five hole, about 20 inches off the ice inside the post. So he's, he didn't just say, oh, I'll give him something different to look at. He literally went out and did something different. So th- this kid is already a first line winger. So there, right there, the future is happening in front of you. Kotkiniemi, another one. Uh, I mean, you, when it comes to Caulfield, the confidence, and that's what you get when you go deep in a playoff run, the confident, confidence that you grow. And we saw that last year from Suzuki and Kotkiniemi as they went through the playoffs and made it into the, playoff rounds um they they just grew i mean cotton stumbled a bit last year but sure whatever and suzuki i I mean anyone who's saying now when they are saying on twitter that montreal is not even going to make the playoffs next year is either bitter salty or has no idea what they're talking about because this team's only going to get better uh are they going to be a, a contender next year they're a contender right now. If you think about it, they're the top, they're in the last four teams in the league. So um, technically they're a contender right now. So are they well, going to be a contender next year? Depends on what Bergevin puts in with them, I guess. Yeah, but on but, paper, I mean, on paper, they're definitely not a contender. And that's yeah. where it matters most on paper. On paper, Toronto Maple Leafs should have won three Stanley Cups by now. Well, I mean, on paper, it wasn't a matter of if, but how many? Yeah, ask the hockey news. On paper, Colorado was a sure win for the Stanley Cup this year. I'm not going to lie, I picked Colorado to win the cup this year. So, <laughs> but on paper, but were you on paper? You weren't wrong. On paper, but that's the thing: the game's not paid on uh, played on paper; it's paid on the no. ice. No. So, on the ice, the Canadians are proving that a well disciplined, a, a well organized and disciplined hockey team playing a stifling system with opportunistic scoring and amazing goaltending is what you need to get ahead. Don't necessarily need stars, but we're seeing some starting to emerge in Montreal. So Suzuki is looking like he's going to be a star. Caulfield is looking like he's going to be a star. Kotkaniemi, I don't say, I'm not seeing uh, an elite player out of him or a star or anything, but here's a guy who I bet, by the time he's 23 years old, he is a 50 to 65 point center who's 
essentially a power center. He's going to just pound people into the ground and play well defensively, creating some offense and then steps it up in the playoffs. I mean, prove me wrong, Matt, you, uh, you shared a few graphics yesterday on his playoff performances so far. Yeah. I'll bring up, uh, let's bring up one of them just on Kakaniemi. Just bear with me for two seconds. Which so Kakaniemi. Let me see. Matt's just scrolling through things, guys. <laughs> so Kakaniemi, the uh, opening the scoring for the Canadians, a game five win. Kakaniemi continued what's been an impressive goal scoring 2021 playoff year, not to mention a career of playoff mm-hmm. excellence overall. That's the 20 year old tied behind just four others on the list of these young centers being Jordan Stahl, Brent Sutter, Jeremy Roenick, and Dan Quinn for most playoff goals before age 21. And um, I know Gretzky did it in 12 games. He scored nine goals in 12 games. However, um, it took Crosby 25 games to hit nine. So he is tied with Crosby in the same number of games, yeah. same number of goals. He's also yeah. tied with Gretzky. Yeah, yeah, but Gretzky, yeah but Gretzky did, did it in 12 games. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and saying. I know I know Matthews is on that list. Where is he on that list? Uh, he must be among primary centers in NHL history, somewhere a little lower. Yeah, a thousand <laughs> yeah. goals, I think. I think he had a thousand goals. Something like that. Where, where's uh, where's uh, where's JT? Is JT on that list? I can't say that he is. What do you mean the Leaf centers are not on that list of top <laughs> scoring centermen before the age of twenty? They're the greatest ever. I mean, without one, they lost to the Canadians. So how, that must be good. And uh, trag, trag your, uh, your comment on the Greybeard lines. Eric Stahl last night scored the game-winning goal, and he's now the sixth oldest player to score a game-winning goal for the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs. I'd like, to, I'd like to point out the play – that was made to get that goal. Absolutely. Not, not only did Suzuki curl and outplay two Vegas defenders, which one of them was Peter Angelo. So that's no small feat. Laid out a perfect pass. Before that, the breakout that the Canadians made to get out of their zone, they were hemmed in for a good amount of time. Uh, Deneau took a massive hit to make the play, but it was that little back and forth between him and John Merrill that got the puck out of the zone. I know Merrill gets crapped on quite a bit, but last night's game, he played 11 minutes and 54 seconds total in all situations. And he provided quality hockey. He, you didn't really see him too much. You didn't hear his name too much for a defensive guy. That's good. But it's those breakouts that really made a difference. And that wasn't the first time that Merrill was involved in one of those little quick breakouts. It happens several times. So Merrill's not playing terrible hockey. He's, he played a good game. Gus is in on the other hand. Well, yeah, Gustafson played seven minutes and 33 seconds, which Most was the lowest of anybody on the team. So there's that i'm just going through the, stats right now when you're there for the power play you only get two yeah <laughs> so so far in 12 games he got three points he's a plus five though leads the team and um he's got a 25 percent shooting percentage he's only taken four shots one of them being it was a pretty big goal that he scored and he's averaging 951 of ice time in those uh 12 games well yeah Let's see. I think I saw him throw a couple of hits. No, I did not. He had zero hits. He took two hits, though. Blocked zero shots. Just checking the face-offs, see if he took a face-off, because you never know. They throw out so many Montreal Canadiens. Nope, no face-offs. No points. 733. There you go. A pretty uh, meh kind of game. Um, Yeah, sure. There he was. Uh, I still think Romanov could easily fill that role. I'd say, but, I'd say so. 
but the team is winning with the lineup it has. They're not going to break that up. And the game they lost in game four, I mean, you're not going to change that. They played a great game. They just came out on the wrong end. They should have won. They should have won that game and lost the one before it. So it evens out. Yeah, if it wasn't for the seeing eye puck, like I still don't know how. Well, I watch replay after replay. I still don't know how that puck went in. How it went underneath the. Uh, I, I know zone. how. I just don't yeah. understand the physics of how it literally had to be the right angle, the right spot, the right everything just to get in. No luck involved at all. Pure skill. Absolutely not. That was That's, he meant to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is Braden McNabb. The man is a scoring machine in the playoffs. That being his first one in three years. He'll be a Toronto Maple Leaf next season. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. But uh, <clears throat> so there's a lot of a lot of talk about how the um, like we mentioned it before earlier in the show how they're talking about you know all these top six players in every series have just not been showing up. They've just been playing under, they're underperforming. That's why the Canadians are lucky and moving on. I think they're, they're missing out on a major, major aspect as to why these top six players are underperforming. And that is Philip Deneau's line. Him, Gallagher, uh, right now it's Lekkonen. I mean, Evans was there for a little bit, even Tatar when he was playing. But that line is shutting down the top offensive lines of each team. The, uh, the Pacioretty goal in game five was the first, as we mentioned before, the first top six forward score goal uh, goal in this series. And I think uh, the first one since uh, game one against Winnipeg. So, I mean, yes, this line is not producing as many points as you want to see, but they're not allowing any of the any of the, the the goals to come from their top lines. They're sucking a, they're sucking that life out of the other team's game, which provides an opportunity for the Canadians' bottom six. Yeah, and then you have the scoring from the Toffoli, Caulfield, Suzuki line, and then uh, Bob's your uncle. And then you're getting secondary scoring from either Armia or Perry or whoever, or Anderson or Anderson, and it's given them enough to get by. Uh, like I say, if Montreal keeps playing the way they have been in this series, there's no reason why they should. It's their series to lose. It's their series to lose right now. They're definitely in the driver's seat now, up 3-2 going home for yeah. game six. And there's talk of possibly allowing even more fans into the uh, the arena. So right now it's 3,500. And there's talk of allowing possibly more. So... Personally, I hope they allow up to 10,000. I mean, as long as you show that you're double vaxxed and off you go. Follow oh, the rules. We're all double vaxxed. Yeah, we are. I, I'm right now trying to get tickets to that game. I spoke to my uh, my commanding officer. If I can get a ticket, I'm taking leave and I'm going to Montreal. So if anybody's listening from the Canadians organization and wants to give us tickets... <laughs> We're even donating to charity. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go to. I'm on. I'm already on vacation, so I can go. You give me a ticket, I will give the face value of that ticket to chair to your charity as well. Yeah, and just or any or any uh, uh, season ticket holders who don't think they're going to make it. Here we are. Here we we'll are. Live hey. broadcast from the sh- from the. Uh, yeah, you, you can live watch with us while we're live watching. I mean, you can think of it as a way of supporting the troops. Oh. Yes, I went there. I card totally went there. Card has been played. <laughs> I'm throwing that card down. I have never seen a live Montreal Canadiens game in my life. So f- 29 <laughs> years of not seeing the Canadiens. Is, is but I haven't been back home to see my family in a few years. So it would be nice to spend saint jean Baptiste with my mom card play <laughs> throwing them down i'm throwing Do them I all have to down get my granddaughter back out here with a sad face <laughs> about, i'll play i'll play the i'm single and lonely lonely in ontario and um yeah i have no family here 
You're going to get all kinds of people swiping right on that one. There you go. I'm married. <laughs> I'm married and been stuck with my wife for two years. <laughs> with no break. But whether we go or not, we're still watching the game. And yeah, when you think about it, game six at home in Montreal on Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day, if for those who don't know the kind of carnival atmosphere that that day has in Quebec, but in Montreal specifically, Montreal is known as a party town. And then you throw Saint Jean Baptiste on there. And then on top of that, a chance to win uh, to have the Canadians win a game and move on to the Stanley cup final for the first time in 28 years. Oh my God. I want to be there for that party. I just want to be there for a hockey game. I, I don't even care if there's a party. I, do, I just want to go. Game first, party after. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. karaoke with John and John Liu. And we'll, we'll, Could you we'll imagine party the party at, at McLean's McLean. Pub? Yeah, the party at McLean's Pub is going to be lit. Yeah. Right, Stuart? Yeah. yeah. Stuart, save us, reserve us a table if we get tickets. The same table that Matt and I go to every time. Right. With the gigantic beer stein, you know, the big... Oh, the big, uh, yeah. yeah the we want four beer. of those. Yeah. One each. Well, yeah. Not sharing. <laughs> They're not made for sharing. There's only half a keg in there. I will go off my non-drinking alcohol if I get to go to see Montreal. And uh... Yep. All right. So was there anything you saw that in game five that you feel is going to be a key to a game six victory? Matt, you go first. Carey Price just needs to continue being Carey Price. And, um, you know, the defense needs to continue playing the way that they did and um, support them as much as possible. You know, don't let any rebounds up. Clear the front of the net and be physical. Be hard on the top-end players. And uh, Canadians should could skate away with a victory. Treg? Just keep doing what they're doing. Just keep doing what they're doing. The confidence from the young guys has just grown with every game and every victory. And uh, as that grows and as they win, uh, so, uh, you know, as their confidence grows, the, the Montreal, so does the rest of the team and just keep doing what they're doing. I think uh, I'm very confident this is going to be, the Canadians are going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Very confident. Oh, I, I really want to see it. I truly want to see that because the city would, it, Canadians fans have waited a long time for that and it's well-deserved. It's the most excited the fan base has been for years. Yeah. Well, and united. Like everybody yeah. loves everyone now. Yeah. <laughs> except, well, almost. Well, except Brennan Kelly. He doesn't like yeah. anyone. <laughs> he doesn't like himself, though. <laughs> I wish PK Sub- if PK Subban was here, we'd already be in the finals. Yep. That's what PK said when he was on TV covering the game. No. Um, yeah, no, I mean, for me, uh, watching what they've done in this series and throughout the playoffs, they've become more polished. You, you've seen it through the Toronto series, through Winnipeg, and now with Vegas. They've become a lot more polished in their, their, their game plan, and they're methodical. They're patient. They just they stay within their own game. They don't let anything else throw them off, and they... They just, they just wait to pounce. You make one little mistake and it is going the other way and probably a goal. Like like the, what you mentioned with the Stone play uh, at the Canadians' blue line during that power play, Stone, should have, Stone would have normally just dumped that in, but down a couple of goals, he's trying to make something happen, even shorthanded, and Suzuki just blink of an eye, pucks going the other way, it's a goal. So they're, they're just methodical. So if they just continue that, clearly Price plays a big role in that. And the confidence that he has provided the rest of the team through these playoffs has now started to spread. And you can just tell they, they're playing with an air of confidence or playing with an air of, uh, of, of a surety. They, they're sure of themselves and they, they just stick to their plan and they're methodical. So if they do that in game six, um, I have a feeling that we're going to be watching them pull out the 
Is it the camel's trophy or is it the whale's trophy? Nobody knows which trophy you're getting. They, they did announce it. I just don't remember what it is. Or, or is it one of these things where they just spin a wheel? No, they, they announced it the other day, which... I'd have to look that up because they're beating. A, there's there's three Eastern teams in the in the top four. Well, the, one trophy goes to one series. Of I, know, I know, yeah, but, but usually it's the winner of the East, winner of the yeah. West, right? So maybe, maybe you know what they probably are. It's a mystery trophy. So whichever one comes out, that's what you get. And it's just gonna have a mask on it because they wouldn't <laughs> be here if, unless it was COVID. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And there's going to be a pair of fuzzy dice hanging off of it because, you there know, you it's go. Vegas. Yeah. All right. So I think that pretty much does it for our episode today. Um, we've covered quite a bit. Uh, remember, uh, for every Canadian's win, we're donating $25 to the Montreal Canadiens uh, Children's Foundation. <clears throat> uh, we've been sharing that on our, our Habs Unfiltered social media. So if you want the link to donate yourself, just check it out on our on our different social media feeds. It'll be there. <clears throat> um, if you can't donate because I mean this the pandemic has been hard, just share it. Just share the link. Share our tweets. Share our Facebook posts. And maybe someone in your family wants to provide twenty dollars or five dollars or just share that as well. So just to to raise awareness. And if you can donate, great. If you can't, we understand. Things are hard. We are able to donate because. Our jobs are, we've been, we've been working through the pandemic being government, you know, in the military, we're still getting paid. We're still working. So we understand. Um, and to help you save money, we are also providing you some, uh, some promo codes. So if you want to buy some built bar products, use promo code unfiltered 20 to save 10% off any purchase at built bar. Uh, you want to buy something from East coast lifestyle. They're wonderful, wonderful, uh, apparel, Use promo code on triple 20 and you can save 20% off your purchase from East coast lifestyle. And if you do have a little bit of extra money and you want to buy tickets to the Montreal Canadians or a and concert, donate them to us. Yes. We're, we're willing to take them off your hands, but if there's a concert that you want to go to, go to seatgiant.ca, use promo code unfiltered 20 and you'll save 35% off your purchasing fees, which depending on how much that ticket costs, it could be a significant amount of money. So keep, uh, keep unfiltered 20 promo code in mind when using those three products. And uh, I'll uh, thank you for listening. We truly appreciate everyone who's, uh, who's started to log in and add us. So thank you for that. I want to thank Ava Stoddard for uh, being our special guest today of the show, uh, <laughs> making everything look better. Uh, it's nice to see know something like that amongst these ugly fellers so when, uh, i, when, I uh, agree 100 when unfiltered or when i filter 20 oh my god what happens <laughs> unfiltered oh my lord i did a tragism uh <laughs> when uh when haves unfiltered reaches 3500 followers or 70 away right now on twitter uh when, th- when we hit 3500 followers i'm going to do another giveaway uh so far i've given away five funko pops and uh it's been a very good uh it's been uh, received very well. The next contest will be uh, something else exciting. It won't be a Funko Pop. It will be something else. I've got a couple feelers out there with uh, what the giveaway is going to be. It's going to be something that you're not going to want to miss. And I know that we have a lot of, obviously, Canadians listeners. The contest will be open to fans of all teams. If I reach 3,000, I will wear a mask on the show from now on. If it reaches through, if the, uh, if Habs Unfiltered reaches 5,000, Matt Smith will be giving away a free OnlyFans subscription. <laughs> and body massage. Yeah. If you're okay with that. To his choosing. <laughs> it's got to be consensual. Yes. Because that's only fair. <clears throat> but OnlyFans. Yeah. Anyway, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, all our new listeners, uh, I hope you don't just turn us, uh, tune us out for the next one. Uh, we are a bit goofy, but we do have fun with this. And we do this because we love it. And we know that uh, being a little goofy can sometimes be fun. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. 
Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real project. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want loyalty, buy a dog. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.